Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino and this week I'm joined by James and Paddy as we cover all things Celtic. Celtic made it 250 goals in just 99 appearances under Ange Postacoglu with Sunday's 5-1 win over St Mirren and our goal difference is now a staggering plus 68 after just 27 league games. We now enter a crucial week of the season with a doubleheader against Hearts in the league and the Scottish Cup in store and a couple of big wins could see us take a massive step towards making the treble dream a reality. James, the Celtic goal machine rolls on and we're putting some big numbers on the board just now. Your thoughts on that and your Celtic moment of the week, please. Yeah, more relentless behaviour from the players. Um, maybe even seeing a wee bit of adversity, being one down to a, a fairly light penalty and you know coming back and doing the job. Uh, really closing in on that 106 goal target. So what, 19 goals away from that, but 11 games to play. Yep, Is that right? 87 goals scored. 87 for 106. So they're they're pushing on that. They've they've heard the call and, and they're really moving towards it. So moment of the week wise, uh, again we've, we've flagged them a couple of times. Celtic's great work with the unique angle stuff, and there's two points from it. When we get the equaliser, Kyogo rushes to get the ball out of the net and rush back to the halfway line, but not before picking a St Burn player out of the net because he's a nice guy and that comes first so and then the fifth goal when Ogut sees penalty we can talk about the quality of the penalty but penalty is a penalty a goal is a goal uh, gets the plaudits off all the players even to the point of where they're going back to the halfway line and Joe Hart gets his attention the two of them just have the hands in there and we salute to each other so just shows the cohesion in the team that you know that they're all delighted for each other yeah all in it together Paddy it's a big week ahead in the context of the season how are you feeling about that and what's been your own moment of the week yeah um, I agree with uh, with, with James just it's, it's a good momentum with, with things at the moment I think uh, moving into this week we, we, we I think how many games three before the international break uh, so they'll just want to just keep keep knocking on like basically just keep going with what they're doing and I think it's been very easy to watch lately um, and I think for that 45 minutes a lot of people forgot what it was like to actually be behind in a game or or, or I get a little bit stressed out. I kind of clocked that a lot, especially over the the socials. But it was just interesting, just to you know, just have that little feeling inside it. We're like, this, this is fine. This is all right. We can take this. We we, we know we're good enough to come back and 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 get the get the win. So, um, really, really chuffed with the performance on on, uh, on Sunday. Sorry, I think for me, moment of the week has to be the the little laps of uh, concentration from Cameron Carter Vickers and human after all. Ah, he's human after all. But what I loved about the uh, the camera hitting on Ange was obviously just the the laugh that the two of them had, right? But he still gives them that look as in like, you've lost a week's wages, pal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that way? Like you don't you don't cross it. <laughs> we can have a laugh, but that is also unacceptable. Aye, but seriously I'm I'm raging. <laughs> uh, no, it's great to see and it's nice to see a lighter moment between the manager and players. We talk about the goals, we talk about them frequently, and we're now, I think, uh, the five goals against St. Murn, it was the sixteenth time this season we've scored four goals or more uh, in a game, and the sixth time we've scored five or more. It's frightening, Paddy, and it's just it's what you dream about as fans, isn't it? Goals is what you're there for, and we're getting them in the the bucket load at the moment. It's relentless. It's just relentless football, and um, if we've got little uh, 
little journalist up in, up in uh, Gorgie complaining about it. I mean, that, that makes me happy, you know? Like, if that's all you've got, then it's a, a sad little season for yourself, in my opinion. You can't um, help embarrass yourself. Ah, it just, yeah. it just throws himself into anything, but hey, that's all he's got. So we can go on and just celebrate what our team are doing. And um, I've got the target, obviously, of 120 goals in the league this season. I think that's that's looking well within a shout. So that's averaging what, maybe just about three a game? Two, two and a bit. Two and a bit for yeah. the running. That's doable. That's doable. So great, great yeah. times. More than doable. The word relentless that Paddy used there, James, I feel like I'm typing out every week. I type up the show notes for this and, you know, we put out various blog articles and different things online. And I just feel like I've worn out the the relentless keys. I just, I'm using them all the time just now, but it's just, it's, it's the word to describe this side. Yeah, I mean, aside from getting your thesaurus out, you're going to have to just keep using it because they just keep showing it. it it's how Ange sets them up. You know, we were talking about, you know, my kind of lofty prediction to beat Rangers 6-1, but the, the reason that there's logic behind that and that if they get their noses ahead, who's going to stop them? And that's what showed on, on Sunday there. You know, there was a bit of you know hard work to get back into the game, but once they were, obviously it was a man advantage. You know, guy just had to go with that red card. But it was always going to be that way. Once they get their noses in front, they, they really get the scent and they go for it. You know, they're not they're not for you know waiting about. We've seen under Rogers and guys like that, you know, the win has been secured. Mourinho in particular is murdered for it. You secure your win and then you kind of bore the backsides off of your fans for you know 20, 30 minutes. They're not like that. They're there to entertain, which is all that Celtic's about. Yeah, I think historically 2-0 um, has always been Jose Mourinho's favoured scoreline. Um, basically, get your goal in front, make it two, and then just pass it to death and your game's safe. And that's gener generally what he, he goes for over his career. When you look at Angie's quoted at the weekend is saying, uh, we don't stop at 3-1. That That's not our purpose. And you see he's going to the, you know, the very last minute to get goals. I mean, from a St Martin point of view, you kind of have to feel for them because they're 1-0 up. They've you know put a lot in the game. They're sending off, obviously changed things. But within, I think it was a a 12-minute spell in the second half, they found themselves 4-1 down and must have thought, we've not actually done much wrong here. Paddy, the three games that we've played against St Mirren since they beat us in mid-September, there's an average scoreline, let me get my math right, Celtic have beat them, sorry, an aggregate score of 14-2 and St Mirren have actually played all right in each in of those three games. Yeah. They have, it's like a, it's a moment they've just crumbled, isn't it? And I, I wouldn't even say the red card was the point in which they've done that on uh, on Sunday. I think the games that we have played against them, like Stephen Robinson could happily come out and say, do you know something, we've given them problems. Mm. And they have, they have. They've probably been one of the only teams that have really tried to take the game to us uh, in every game that we've played against them. And it, it goes to show that with that attitude that they have, where they are in the league, um, they've had a great season under Robinson and things are really, really settled there. And yeah, probably, like I say, one of the only teams that have really got in our faces. Um, and... But we're scratching our heads a little bit when, when we lost the goal on Sunday and I think uh, a bit of frustration was settling in but I think even with 11 v 11 uh, maybe not so much high, like, maybe not so much of a, a scoreline as 5-1 as, as, uh, but I definitely think we, we would have we would have definitely won the game in my opinion I, I didn't see anything really stopping us I just think we needed to get our heads heads in gear and go and, and basically just take it to them but we were a bit quieter um, for the first half but Hangover for the Sunday, it's all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, football last night, <laughs> minutes as well, not just 45, as, as James said in the post-match. There was an interesting stat that flashed up. St Myrna have taken the lead, I think, 11 times in the league this season. And of those 11 times they've taken the lead, they've gone on to win nine of them and draw two of them. Never, you know, lost a game so far, uh, having taken the lead up until Celtic came to town. And Celtic just continue to defy the odds is a bit dramatic, but they just 
deal with every little challenge that comes our way. So great to see and long may that continue. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up on this week's show. In light of some, let's call them interesting shouts at halftime against St Mirren, this week's big debate focuses on the subject of trust in the manager when it comes to making those key decisions. Then it's time for this week's mystery sell as the lads once again try and name the famous ex-celt. Paddy, you need to decide which side of the table you're on for this one given your, your last appearance. I wasn't happy with you. Well... Tough. (laughs) That's the way it goes. Uh, After that, we're going to take a look at this week's listener's question, which focuses on the contract situation of one of our best signings under Ange and a young player who's become a real fan's favourite. And finally, we'll close out this week's show by bringing you something which we think you'll enjoy from this week in Celtic media. Okay, so this week's big debate. At 1-0 down at half-time against St Man at the weekend, we had some fans, and I do stress the word some fans, absolutely losing their minds over some players and demanding that Ange Postacoglu gets the hook out for a whole host of them before the second half resumed. The list included Jota, who went on to score the equaliser, and a guy who then won the free kick that led to the second goal. It included Aaron Moy, a guy who finished the game with three assists. And it also included Kyogo, the top goal scorer in the country, with 24 goals for the season so far. Remember too that this is a Celtic side who have now lost just once in their last 57 league games and who are now on a 25-game unbeaten run domestically. As supporters, we'll always have different opinions and that's part of the fun and we would always encourage that, keeps things keeps things interesting. Although I would stress that it should always be done respectfully and some of the noise you see online at half-time, particularly on Twitter, and I know Twitter is not the place for all things balanced, but some really poor comments, uh, you know, to say the least. However, the question uh, very generally is this. Given the success that he's brought to the club in the short time he's been here and the manner in which he's done so, should we all be showing just a bit more trust and a bit more patience in the decisions that Ange Postacoglu is making? Whether that's who he picks in his starting lineup, what style of football he chooses to play, who he signs during a transfer window, and even what players he decides to let go during those same transfer windows. James, your initial response to that question? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the, the blunt answer is is yes. The evidence is all there as to what Ange has achieved for, for Celtic. Whilst taking your point and, and I agree with it you know football is always going to be about opinions and sometimes strong opinions and that like you say should always be encouraged and Twitter you know isn't the real world but I've seen some mad takes in the pub I've seen some mad takes in the terraces so it's, it's nothing particularly new but yeah there's such a wealth of evidence there to say that you know Ange knows what he's doing he knows how to land the plane take off and land the plane um, and he's also he's not the type of manager we've seen in the past that is stubborn you know you can see if something's not right he'll change it if someone's not on it and you know he gives them as much time as they need to, to get back on it i.e. Jota but if they don't get back on it he'll change it and he'll do, do what's required to get the result so I just don't think it's maybe there's there's a couple of things at play it's in Mirren it's where we lost our game this season the one and only the 57 that, we, that we've lost so there's maybe a wee bit of nerves creep in there and even creeping into the first five, ten minutes of the second, there was a ball rolled under Jaws foot and you went, oh, maybe maybe it's not going to happen. But even then, if it wasn't going to happen for Jota that day, I trusted the manager to make that change if and when it was required. It certainly wasn't required at halftime. The made change was more logical because you could see he just you know, wasn't quite getting there. There wasn't as much defending required against 10 men as there would have been, for example, pinning Tavernier in. So make that change, bring a bad on, be a bit more explosive, stretch the defence as was required. So, yeah... I, the Aberdeen game this this year, Cal McGregor scored the, the winner. It was at 88 minutes, something like that. I was perfectly relaxed and I've never been like that as a Celtic fan. So with 45 minutes to go, I was like, 
just relax, there's nothing wrong here. Yeah. I was on the old Twitter at half time party um for our account at Celtic Exchange and I was basically saying, surely we need to offer a bit more support to Jota. And as I say, I thought some of the comments were really poor. And he's a guy who I think had earned the right to maybe have a couple of poor performances, but also will remember or be mindful of the fact that the guy's an absolute match winner. Um, so I, went out, I made all that noise uh, at half time. And then as James says, two minutes into the second half, it bobbles over his foot and goes out for a throw. And I thought, I might need to delete that <laughs> delete, tweet. Delete. Uh, but I would never do that. Um, I stand by it. And then lo and behold, as I say, I think it was 56 minutes, he shows the character. Not a typical Jota type goal. You know, he's had to fight for it and had to kind of show a bit of um, something while he was on the deck there. You've seen the elation from Jota and his teammates when he scored it. He was, you know, roaring his teammates on. I think he even gave a, the linesman a pat in the back as he ran by him, if you've seen that. <laughs> Um, and he then goes on to win the free kick He nutmegs a guy and gets body checked To win the free kick Which Moy then takes and at least to Alistair Johnson's goal And at that point there's no turning back And I think Ange Postacoglu I don't know if Ange's got Twitter If he's got a burner account But you know Siamese <laughs> boy Siamese boy <laughs> Had he gone on to Twitter at half time Hypothetically of course <laughs> And said mm, blah 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 oh, oh, right, I better take Jot off You know like the, such was the noise for get him the hook and, you know, he needs to go and all that stuff. He's been murdered and, and much more animated comments than that. Um, but Ange is obviously very, very experienced in the world game. He knows more than anybody, all of us included. You know, he, you've got to trust the experience this guy's got, World Cups, titles, you know, all across the globe. And he knows what Jota can offer. He's made the smart move with Maeda because I agree, James, I think Maeda's there for as much of his defensive work as anything else. He keeps, you know, the defence he's pinned in. He very much starts the whole defending from the front type uh, ethos of Celtic but when St Man go down to 10 men you don't need that so yeah he could, Ange could have gone with popular opinion and taken Jot off but he thinks hold on a minute I need a guy that can potentially unlock a defence and I would argue that maybe Jota Hatati Haksabanovic all these creatives these are the guys you want on and as is often the case Paddy he was proven right it's a perfect sub it's a perfect sub from him you know he's, he's bringing a uh... He's bringing Maeda off, and like you say, he's going to be run, running into bodies. That's that's all it's going to be. He's not. He's maybe not just not got that level of creativity the way that Jota does, or the way that Leo Labada does as well. Um, and basically putting Jota in his more natural position out in the left, and allowing Abada come in, to come into his natural position on the right, it suited us. Um, we bombarded them, and it just shows you what we've got at our disposal. Could either of them went off? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think Jota had a great game in the first half. Um, I think as fans, it's very, very difficult for when we see our team and we see the ones that we know can play at a better level. It frustrates the life out is when we, we, we see them not really showing up. Um, me personally, I actually think the Sibirin fans got to Jota on oh. on Sunday. I, I did, I did so many scored, he was giving them a bit. Aye, aye, aye. And I, I, you know... I, I don't think he's someone that likes to be accused of diving and there was a lot of shouts for that from him and he was right on the, the right wing, right on their, their main stand for a good majority of the game and I personally think that that, that has, has played with his head for that for that duration of that first half and like you say, uncharacteristic moments of the ball slipping under his foot but if you have a manager that just trusts everything about you and knows what you're capable of and sees the frustration because I don't think it was down to a poor game. I, I generally think it was just genuine frustration build, building up and you just trust that your player's just going to get it right and it takes your captain speaking to him as well. It takes the rest of the team talking to him and helping him through it and that's why you see the reaction to the goal he gets and what a great goal. What a, Absolutely brilliant. No right to get it as well 
Um, but he just he put his body on the line to make sure that he was getting it in the back of the net. Um, I I personally think that we're allowed these moments where we, we can vent. I really do. I think that as fans, there's there's plenty out there that understand the game, know the game, and I know what you're talking about. We give we give a manager trust, but there would be zero interest in watching football if he just sat back and let, let everything go. Course. We need that debate. We need that. We need those moments of anger. We need those moments of frustration. It's what makes it even more exciting. It's not great for the heart rate. Um, I was standing next to one of the boys at the the final last week, and he's I, I Apple Watch was giving him a, a health warning, <laughs> saying that your heart rate's too high. You've not been walking. What's going on? Um, that's what what it's all about. Though it's getting built into these moments, and you know, yeah, like James says, it's pub chat. It's Twitter chat. It's people just putting everything out there. They might not be thinking at the time as they're writing it. Um, you can tell the ones that are thinking about what they're saying and the ones that aren't thinking about what they're saying. That's that's my thing about it. Uh, do you know, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Because football is a game of emotion, of course, as particularly when it comes to Celtic and you know the how emotionally invested we all are. So I can understand and you can also forgive anyone you maybe just kind of a bit over the top when it comes to halftime. Particularly just, you know, Given what's at stake overall, you know, there's such a you know a push for the treble. Yep, as James says, there's that anxiety over the the previous Sitman result and everything that goes with it. So of course that's 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 part of football. And as I say, you've never discouraged that. Um I just think just going back to Jota specifically, I think he's such a strong character. You know, he, he speaks so intelligently. I mentioned to James in the post match that he's the kind of guy that I think he's into like art and jazz and literature <laughs> and that kind of thing. You just get that vibe from him. Portuguese Pat Nevin. The Portuguese, Portuguese Pat, Pat Nevin. Um but he's a uh, he's such a strong character. You heard in his post match interview. What was the interesting term, James? He says we don't get nervous, but healthy we get anxiety. healthy anxiety. I thought it was a brilliant way to put it. He says, you know, there's obviously a pressure playing with Celtic and a pressure in, in each individual game, but it's a healthy anxiety the way the manager. And, and I think you can only express yourself and play in the way that Jot and others like him do if you've got the absolute trust of the manager. And what would it have said for Ange had he whipped off Jot at half time? That tells you he doesn't trust him. Had he made that call, but he's basically said somebody was saying, oh, Ange must have read the right act at half time and must have tore strips off them. I don't think so at all. That's not how Ange works. And I think he'll have spoken to Jota, whether it was one-on-one -on -one or in front of the group, and said, listen, I know what you can offer. Just press the reset button, forget the last 45, and go and do something to go and help us win this game. And that's exactly what he done. So you do hook him there at halftime on, on Saturday, and, you know, that wasn't your day, son. Well, and he takes a dentist conference, and he takes that into tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and he's a bad game then. We really need him for Saturday for the Cup. And then you're asking him to come from a negative position and overperform. What's, what's the better way to do that? To, to keep him high, keep him on that pitch, get his goal, get his assists, win the free kicks, play well tomorrow night and, you know, plays a trail on Saturday. Ange knows what he's doing. I, I seen one in the comments actually to what you'd posted um, and it, it baffled me a little bit because I think that there was a little dip of form just before the, the break and um, I think since he's come back and it's not been straight away but since we've come back for the World Cup, his performances have just been gradually getting better and better yeah. and better. Quieter in the final, could have been a bit better in the final. Um, but, you know, just the, the way the game played, it wasn't really on his wing as much. Mm. A few people were saying um, he's no kicked a ball in weeks. And I'm a bit like, did you watch the Aberdeen game? Yeah. He's one of our best players. If Atati wasn't man in a match, for me, it would have been Jota. I just think he's an incredible player. And they're the type of guys you just massage their ego the full way, the full way, because he is an intelligent footballer and he will only get better. Um, so, yeah. You've also got to look at the fact that he's... 
I think very generally played out of position at the moment. Mm-hmm. Ange is a huge fan of Maeda and more often than not he plays Maeda but that means that Jota has to go to the right which isn't his strength. Yeah. Jota's at his absolute best coming in off the left hand side so you've also got to forgive the fact that he's to an extent playing out of position so there's, you know, there's different things at play there. <clears throat> Excuse me, looking more generally, um, so stepping back from St Martin and the, the Jota situation, as I say, we're not even going to it in detail with Moy. Get Moy off, he's done, he's knackered. A, a hat trick I apologise for that, sorry. Uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you and Aaron Moy just shortly. Um, but, I, I, you know, I'd stress again in general that, you know, having an opinion, as we say, Paddy, it's all part of it, it's all part of the emotion of football and not something we'd ever discourage. Um the bigger question, James, is at times, you know, just the lack of respect that's shown by some. And as I say, maybe emotion plays its part, so fair enough. But is that just part of modern day football? Is this just the way things are just now, particularly with the prevalence of social media? Yeah, and there's a wee bit of a large, large proportion of Celtic support of only seen success, you know, and one severe season of no success. Young guys like Paddy. All that's, he knows is winning. It's that's it's, rude. It's it's only jealousy. <laughs> so see, this is the same chat you get in the pub sometimes. <laughs> like you were in there in the nineties. I'm like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay, youngster. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but th- th- there is a bit of that where you know we then demand more success, which is obviously always the way Celtic has been. But there's a wee bit of entitlement to success, not from you, Paddy. I must be very clear on entitled, Paddy. <laughs> so when anything goes slightly wrong, it's you know there's, there's a rush to. To panic, and panic isn't a word I associate with Ange Postecoglou. It's certainly not. He's calmness personified. Paddy, you know the kind of scrutiny and the the level of criticism. Does it just come with the territory at a club like Celtic? Is that just par for the course? Absolutely. Um, I remember speaking to uh, some Ajax fans when we was over for the the game uh, ten years ago, and was t- talking to them just basically about their form and like the the main team for a long time they have been the main team for a long time over over in the Netherlands and I think that you know PSV and Feyenoord come knocking every so often but it's not an awful lot and I remember we were watching basically there was highlights of a game on and they were winning 2-0 but their fans were booing and I was just explain this to me and they're like oh, that's a bad result and what do you mean you're winning 2-0 that's a bad result and I generally think there's, there's similarities from what we expect it's yeah alright we've, we've went through the, the 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 games where it's been one 0 two 0 especially under Rogers where yeah, we've got we've got the goal that's it just kind of play keep the ball keep the ball keep the ball and it got a bit bland no it didn't yeah it didn't where, have where, whereas this is just this is incredible football we're watching and actually I'm not meaning to sound arrogant here at all like when we are coming away with results that four one five one against teams I'm not like taken aback by that I'm kind of like that that's expected uh, and. I don't think that's a bad place to be at. I think that's credit to this team and credit to the manager. Yeah. To a huge extent, um, you could suggest that Ange and his players are a victim of their own success. They've set such high standards. Their stats doing the rounds, I don't have the exact detail just now, but overall, during his time as a manager, Celtic have very rarely been behind in games. In minutes. Yeah, 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 yeah. in overall minutes. So we're behind for best part of 45 minutes on Sunday, which was such a rarity. So I suppose during that time, as supporters, whether in stadium or, or watching, you'd be going, this isn't the norm. I, I don't like this. We're usually two, three up by half time and different things. So as you say, Paddy, it's just changing expectations, changing standards. And do you know what? I'm sure Ange Postacoglu wouldn't have it any other way. You know, he's happy with these lofty, you know, levels of, of ambition and levels of standards. What we do have in Ange Postacoglu is a manager who's 
Universally adored by the fans He's won titles across the world as I've mentioned He's managed a World Cup He's now won three out of the four trophies That he's competed in so far in Scotland And hopefully another couple to come this season Does a track record like that James Make you immune to criticism Or more specifically should it? No, what's really interesting You're, you're certainly not immune from criticism Is, you know, Paris referenced Brendan Rodgers there You know, and he came in Blazed a trail And we were you know, so delighted to have such a, a high standard professional manager in in the ground, but it really dropped, and he, he was, you know, Rogers was on the dip, you know, on the way out, he, he could have stayed, got us over the line and all that stuff, but, you know, in the summer, it might have been a, a good time for change anyway, not getting into the, how he left in the middle of the night and all that stuff, kind of thing. Strachan was another one, you know, by the end of Strachan's football was poor, O'Neill, another one, Ange doesn't seem to have that, he seems to have, you know, he gets that it's an entertainment business, so we are, you know, head and shoulders above where we were this time last year and we were great last year. Ange wants to put that forward every single season that here's where you were last year, individually as players and collectively as, collectively as a team and say, you know, how do you get your markers up to the next level collectively and, you know, individually? So, and then obviously Europe's going to be the, the big question for us, you know, come next season. So with Ange's attitude, Ange's style, Ange's ability, I just don't see it getting stale because he's always... What's next? What's next? What's next? When it does get to the point where it's getting stale, it's when Ange says, I've run out of challenges here. It's time for me to go and do something new. And that's when we should all be worried. Yeah, and I think there's plenty to keep him challenged and uh, focused at this moment in time. I put a tweet out um, towards the end of last week. It sounds like that's all I do, Paddy, just sit on Twitter, just picking mm. things around. Yeah, I've got a job too, but less about that. Um, and I put a tweet out because I'm going to be putting a, an article together this week at some point about Ange Postacoglu and just some of the, the amazing quotes that he's come out with since day one, you know, from the moment he arrived in the building through the, the various successes and the, you know, the ups and downs across his season and a half so far. There's been some brilliant responses and hopefully I'll, I'll do it justice, but some of the responses have been amazing, you know, just some of the really good stuff that, that's come back. And you're reminded of some of the things that he said and, and just how much he absolutely gets Celtic and what it means. To your point, James, about, you know, entertaining, it is not just about winning. In fact, you know the whole story that he would not be happy if we won for now and didn't play and perform well, for example. Um, let's hear one clip just now, though, which is pretty relevant to this conversation we're having. It's been my job for, for 26 years, you know, when uh, when a pilot lands a plane, he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, you're not making that up as you go along. So I'd like to think that after 26 years, I, I think I know what I'm doing. Paddy, I should probably just have fired that out at half time on Sunday because it kind of sums up where we are with Ange. It does, it does. I think uh, we as fans realise what, what we've got in this manager. Um, I might add it's still very, very early days. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I think that we're still learning more and more about him and more about, you know, I've looked at a lot this year, especially the way we've, we've kind of tackled different games, the different tactics we deploy. Um, it's not always just the standard keep a ball in the deck, try and play in behind or try and play through the middle. It, like some of the, the variations, uh, like different games we've come up against, even just coming down to the state of the parks, what we've played on, how he changes it up and just what he puts his team through all the time. Um, we see a lot of comments of, you know what they're going to do, it's going to be 100 miles an hour. Uh, come face to face with them, that's when they put them under pressure. We've had that, we've had that. Good teams in Europe have picked us off, absolutely. Better better quality, better calibre of player. Like, there's, you hold your hands up. But the teams that are meant to come and beat us, they've came in our faces, we've, they've came straight to our, 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 our ground and tried to get up against us. And, and we've answered every every question that's been thrown at us. 
And it's just the the variation of how he deploys his tactics is is incredible to see. Um, and we forget that he, he will always adapt. And with the people he's got around him, he will continue to adapt with them as well. One of the things that stood out for me the other day was him talking about um, obviously planning for this uh, this window coming up. And he was talking already. He says, I'm getting players in early seems to be working for us. So I'm not going to change that. Mm -hmm. We already know who we want to move up to, uh, what, what we want to move up to for next season. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to that next step. I'm looking to that already. For me, that's incredible to hear as a supporter, considering the years we've had of, right, near beat on centre half, usual chat in the qualifiers. Um, but also see, see as a player in that team, you're constantly looking over your shoulder. Mm -hmm. You're constantly saying, well, I need to up my game here because I want to be a part of this. And the ones that don't want to be a part of it, well, that's up to them. Yeah. Just when you were talking there, Paddy, I was reminded, you know, one of the, the suggestions we heard several times last season was when we were coming up into a physical game, whether it be, you know, Hearts at Tynecastle, which we've obviously got this week, for example, the the real clamour and the real shouts of, I get Kyogo on the bench, go for Jack and Marcus, we'll just go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these big cluggers at centre-half and we'll go for the physical battle. And Angie's like, do you know what? Let's not. Let's go and make it difficult for those guys. And rather than lower ourselves, if that's the right word, to their level and play to their strengths, I'm going to go with this nippy Japanese striker who just bangs in goals for fun and causes them nightmares. Right. And lo and behold, as is often the case, time after time, he's proven right. Just for a bit of fun here, as much as anything else, I'm going to highlight... Five key times where we've doubted or questioned Ange. I'm all five of these. <laughs> <laughs> You're six of them. Uh, I'm definitely a few of them. Paddy, you can let us know where you are. So this is outside individual match situations, so maybe more general circumstances where we've doubted Ange Postacoglu. Um, number one uh, is his insistence on his goalkeeper playing out from the back. We've seen it since his very, very first game at Celtic, which was a friendly against Sheffield Wednesday, if you remember way back when, uh, in July 2021. And we're going to continue doing that as long as Ange is the Celtic manager. Number two, uh, the eyebrows that were raised when he gave Tony Ralston an extended contract. Number three, sticking with Greg Taylor and transforming him into the player that he now is. Number four, signing then 31-year-old Aaron Moy. And number five, allowing fans' favourites Josip Juranovic and Georges Giacomakis to leave slash effectively kicking them out the door. James, you can pick your favourite example from the list and maybe the Aaron Moy one is a, a good place to start for you. You can um, pick my favourite one for the list. But when it comes to identifying footballers, We've got to accept that, in Angie's own words, and, and to that clip we heard just a moment ago, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I was very much in the uh, Taylor won't make it camp, um, particularly around Altmar when he picked up that shoulder injury. Um, I just, I, I couldn't see it. And he's proven me so wrong. Him and Angie have both proved me so wrong and delighted for it. You know, for, for when I'm talking about any Celtic football player, bear in mind my baseline is that I want them to do well. They do well, we do well. That's it. And there's never anything in personal in it. Um, Moy, I'm right and I'm wrong. You're wrong and you're wrong. Wrong and I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think he's the future, is what I mean. I think we need... Love for the moment, James, live in the now. I'm always looking at our players with a, a Champions League lens, and I think Taylor's ticked that box. I think Moy will be able to do a, a job for us in Europe, but it will be uh, more from the bench than, than from starting. I still think we need something more in there. So I kind of st stick by that, but you cannot deny how good he's been since the World Cup, you know, coming back and the confidence he came back with, he's, he's been outstanding and delighted to see it. I, I just think, you know, longer term, Europe's the benchmark, then it might be a challenge. But the rest is is all absolutely spot on. And just, you know, 
set out he stole, stuck to his guns is the really important thing. You know, it's like, see, there was a lot of noise. Even Joe Hart there, you know, Leipzig in the uh, uh, Champions League there. And it was like, oh, we well, you know we need to stop this player. Like, we were we were at a talk with Ange last season, and he's a, a guy was in his late sixties, early seventies. He said, "He said, big man, you've got to stop doing that. You're going to give me a heart attack." He said, "If if something does go wrong, and he said it will go wrong, come to me, not the player. I'm putting them in that position. I'm making them take the risk. It's on me." So he sticks to his guns and he gets his results. Yeah, absolutely. Paddy, various examples of as, as I've said there. You know, five different general examples where are you at with, with those ones in particular I think obviously in, in the, the goalkeeper front for me we've got a goalkeeper that's not entirely comfortable um, at using using the ball at his feet actually doing okay at it mm -hmm. um, I think he, he he's at a good level at it with our league and um, you know bigger games bigger occasions that's when you know you want that to come into fruition and, and it's not happened Um does it work in the league? Absolutely. Um, we're a good enough team, we're a quick enough team for it to work. Um, but I think once, and if if we were able to sign a goalkeeper that's a lot more confident at that, then for me, that's going to be even more beneficial to us. The problem is I don't think the keepers are available to Celtic. I, I really oh, don't. I think, money. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think for that kind of keeper, um, I would be hopeful that the tactics that are getting put in at the first team are getting put in all the youth teams at the moment mm -hmm. and this is what our young goalkeepers are working on at the moment I think it's so crucial um, gone are the days of goalkeepers just there to kick the ball up the park they, they are they are well gone in this game yeah. it's too quick for that now and, and you need to be able to play football as well I, I think um, the next big evolution of this squad under Ange will be nailing down that goalie position Ma, I think you're right in terms of you know the youth players continuing to do what the first team does and, and we know for a fact that's what the, the B team do under Darnell Day and Stephen McManus but I also think that Ange will most likely in, in an Ange style E find as a goalie from a probably a country we've never heard of let alone the player we've never heard of who'll be able to do that job I think we, absolutely you know we, we couldn't touch you know the guys that do it the guys that do it best are guys like you know Neuer and um, the Liverpool Man City goalies who's, Ederson. Yep, yeah. whose name's evaded me but Paddy saved me Um these guys are, are, you know, some of the most expensive exports in football. So we can't go and pick the ready-made example, but you could pick, pick, a, pick out a good, young, talented goalkeeper who might be able to do that job and that would just help us kick onto these these new levels. Um, in the interest of balance in general, though, there will be some who think, maybe rightly so, that Andrew's got a few things wrong during his time. And I think, geez, he's only human. It's, it's just nature that he's going to get a few things wrong. Um, what about some of his signings, James, that maybe haven't quite worked out? The the big exam examples might be guys like Edigucci, Jens, Abelgaard. You know, they would certainly fall in that category. Did he get those wrong? I think Jens and Abelgaard, you can take it as very well managed transfer policy in that you'd got a really good close look at them before any permanent commitment to finance was made. And did they did they come up to the mark? Probably not. Abigail definitely not because we didn't see enough of him. But the reason you're not seeing enough of him is he's not doing it in training. Now we all know that. Jens, we saw some of there was something there, but there was some clangers there as well. And if Ange like us is holding the, the Champions League as a benchmark, that's not going to cut it. Cut the contract. Off you go. Eddie Gucci, he's, he's one of those said to the boys last night. Maybe we'll never know. Kind of thing. When he, when he came over from Japan, he was meant to be the talent. And whether he didn't settle, obviously got that injury. And he got the injury at a time when our midfield was really starting to solidify itself. Yeah. Um, obviously, Cal McGregor went out that very same game with, with the, you know, the broken jaw. But by the time 
Idiguchi was fit, which was a long, long time. It was a bad, bad, it was a horrendous challenge, by the way, and a bad injury, and never really get back from that. So, but I would umbrella all of that with Alex Ferguson saying, if I get one and two right, I was delighted. So where is Ange in one and two? Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he must be 90-ish percent strike rate, Paddy, in terms of successful players. I mean, is there anything else? <laughs> I suppose it's clear my opinions on Ange, and I'm, I'm absolutely not saying he can do no wrong, but 99% of what he does is right, yeah. in my opinion. But is there anything else that stands out? Anything that I might have missed? Any notable calls or decisions he's made, Paddy, that maybe he didn't quite, you know, make the right decision? No, yeah, I'm struggling. I, I really am, Tino. Sorry. No, no need to apologise. <laughs> I, I would give you one tiny wee thing. Yeah, um, last week at the cup final, talking to Alan McCoyst about lifts up the road and all that stuff, and he's he's, he's making like, I wouldn't give them the satisfaction of saying I even know what you said. <laughs> that, that, that's how tight I would be on that. Wow. Do you know what I mean? I know. Come I'm on. with you on that though. I, Do you know what I mean? I, don't, I know don't, what you don't, mean. Don't give them the credibility of relevance. Not to sound bitter, but I know what you mean. Nah, <laughs> just, you're, you're not even on my radar. <laughs> the bitter men across the way. <laughs> uh, so his only mistake is having a bit of a laugh with Alan McCoy. Is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. How dare he? <laughs> um, Paddy, um, good debate. Lots to chat through there. But your final thoughts on the matter? Um, I just think we. we we just keep going as our manager wants us to, and I, I I think it's it's all right to be caught up in the moment, and sometimes, especially when we we lose the lead, um, I I generally think next season's massive for us in, in terms of Europe, and I think that that our manager knows that. I don't think uh, you know all all the the chat about different clubs looking at him mid season and just the way he's batted that way. Yeah. It makes me think he's just he's just thinking about next year. He knows how important it is to the fans just to to implement some sort of run, whether that be Champions League, whether it be finishing third to get into the Europa League, just to give us give us something, get some results in Europe, get, give us that that good feeling at Celtic Park again. I think is uh, is definitely required, and I think he knows that he knows how important it is because he's seen he's seen how incredible a place it is in a European night as well as uh, in certain league games as well so I just think yeah, it would be a big success for him I Yeah, a, a good run in Europe is the one thing that's been missing so far James your final thoughts on this one Enjoy it while it's here You know, I hope it's here for another few years <clears throat> yet but enjoy Ange while he's here because you know, Miff is not an easy man to please you know, <laughs> Miff, Miff, Miff comes from a Just ask Mrs know. Miff, she's a nightmare <laughs> I'm not getting into that um, So and he says this is the best manager he's ever uh, supported, you know. And if you look at that, that includes Martin O'Neill and all sorts. Not getting that debate. I think it's hard to to um, beat O'Neill because of where he took us from and to. But I understood the degree as well. But you know, if if you've managed to to put Miff in a position like that, this is really really special. And you know, watching Celtic at the moment is just it's it's everything you want. So absolutely, Paddy, I agree, you caught up in the moment stuff, we all do, but this is special time, so enjoy it. It really is. I mean, Ange Postacoglu, he's somebody that I would describe as a, a once-in-a-lifetime Celtic manager, and he's shown in the relatively short time he's been here just how impressive he can be. He might get some minor things wrong now and then and tell my manager in world, world football that doesn't, but overall, there isn't a man on the planet you'd rather have in charge of Celtic. So as James says, let's all continue to enjoy him while he's here. Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's Mystery Cell for anyone who missed it. So clue number one, I've played for Celtic and Manchester United. Clue number two, I've got four caps for my country. And clue number three, I scored for Celtic in a League Cup final win. The answer, of course, was the Duke. 
Double D, Big Celine, Homes Under the Hammer legend, Dion Dublin. Paddy, did you get that one from home or from do your you, travels? Do you make up the nicknames? I guess I'm off at Twitter. I must do. Um, I did, I did get it, aye. But it's easy for me to say that, isn't it? It is easy to say that, but I believe you because you're an honest man. (laughs) Uh, His time at Celtic, Paddy, was all too brief, but your thoughts on his spell at the club? Aye, got got his goal in the League Cup final. A legend. That's it. That'll do. I mean, so just in terms of his fact file at Celtic, signed by Gordon Strachan in January 2006 to cover for the, the loss at the time of Chris Sutton. He won a league and League Cup double in that season and as Paddy said, he scored the third goal in the 3-0 Cup final win, League Cup final win over Dunfermline, which will forever be remembered as the Jimmy Johnson final after Jinky had died just a few days prior. Uh, he signed for Celtic at 36 years of age and on that basis, James, he was only ever going to be a stopgap uh, and he then moved on to Norwich City in September 2006 before retiring a short time later. Uh, from your own point of view, James, a uh, big fan of Homes Under the Hammer? Hey, I, I don't get to see it as maybe as often as I as I would like to. Um, but it's, if you go back on to Dion, good on him for uh, you know changing his career and getting into something different because it's a it's a fairly you know well trodden path as to what he could have done. He's, he seems to be a, a great character. He's been great to have around the dressing room. I, I don't think Strachan brings guys into the dressing room lately. If it's if it's guys he knows, you know, he, he knew what he was looking for and what he was getting in Dublin. Um, we you know we, we got him at the tail end of his career. There's not a lot to speak of in terms of you know Celtic career, but yeah, he, he played his part in a in a small degree. He, listen, he scored in a cup final for Celtic. Something we can only <laughs> many, many, of, bad, so, many bad got. So <laughs> fair enough. Um, but yeah, you know, popular guy done his job while he was here, and, and all the best to him. Okay, so let's move on to this week's mystery cell. As always, the first ten people who reply with the right answer to the mystery cell on our Twitter page win a month completely free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. To take part, just visit our Twitter page right now, at Celt Exchange, and you'll see the clues posted there in our pinned tweet. And good luck to everyone taking part. Okay, so the score, Paddy, is currently 5-3 to the host, which sometimes includes you, sometimes not. Uh, are you ready for this week's Mystery Celt? Yes, yep. I am. Clue number one. I made over 150 appearances for Celtic from the early to late 90s. Brian McLaughlin. Derek White. Mm. Mm, interesting They're both wrong But they are interesting uh, Clue number two I scored a last minute winner Against Rangers In October 1993 Paul Byrne Not Paul Byrne And Dovchik And clue number three Not Dovchik Clue number three After leaving Celtic I joined Aberdeen Before going on to play For two seasons In the Bundesliga So while the lads are having a wee think about that one, I want to give listeners a short reminder of the additional content we provide over on the Celtic Exchange Plus. As well as special episodes we do with ex-players, coaches and journalists, we produce extra pre- and post-match podcasts for every Celtic game, and we've got a busy week coming up there with a doubleheader against Hearts. This means we'll be providing four extra podcasts this week, covering everything you need to know before and after each of those games. If you haven't already subscribed, you can experience the Celtic Exchange Plus right now, absolutely free with their seven-day trial. Simply visit theceltichangecom slash sign up to get started and to enjoy all the additional content we offer to subscribers. We've got subscriptions starting at just one fifty a month, so if you enjoy what we do and want to hear even more from us across the week, then visit theceltichangecom slash sign up now. Paddy, I've got a feeling you may have it. So for the guy that, you know, never seen the 90s, is it? <laughs> <laughs> So the of boys course. have got it as, yeah. as always That'll be beeped out And what you just said There will also be beeped out <laughs> Too many extra clues Paddy you've returned Absolutely. Triumphantly to the other side of the desk And the score is now 
five four to the host. Uh, this this shouldn't be a clue, but see the the retro kit that Celtic brought out last week. Mm. That's the guy I think of in that toggin. Yeah, and you're yeah. you're right to do so. So that's maybe an extra wee clue for anyone that, that wants to have a look. So remember, if you think you know the answer to this week's mystery sell and want to win a month free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag mystery sell. Okay, let's now take a look at our listeners' question, which this week comes from Graham Byrne in Dublin. In light of the Israeli manager's comments about Abada, do you see him becoming unsettled or would you be tempted to try and tie him down? He's been putting in some brilliant performances lately. I don't know how long he has left on his contract, but should we be pulling out all the stops to keep him happy? Do you see him becoming unsettled? How do you see this one shaking out? So as you may have seen or read, the manager of the Israeli national team, Alon Hazon, revealed this week that Abada has so far been reluctant to sign an extension to his current deal at Celtic. And in terms of Graham's question, and thanks to Graham for sending it in, given the impressive numbers that Abada continues to produce, should Celtic be pulling out all the stops to tie the 21-year-old down on a new deal? Paddy, your initial response to that, are you a big fan of Abada? Uh, yes. Yeah, um, we, we, we try and keep Leila Abada. No, there's no, there's no question in that. I think his his return is is exceptional for someone. It's it's not in the standard of living every week. Um, and you, you you normally think the players are going to come on as subs, and and that's their regular kind of appearance. You might not get much return. It's, it's just incredible numbers from him. Um, he's still young. There's still bits of his game that he needs to tighten up a bit. Um, but I think that you know we don't know what's going to happen this summer. Um, and someone like him is a prospect at this club at the moment um, we definitely try and keep a hold of him because he could be crucial for his next season James your own thoughts on it I mean I know first of all you weren't too impressed by the Israel manager going public with those kind of comments it's really snide so we talked about this in the post-match yesterday Abada can't come out and see it his agent can't come out and see it so we've got a third party that the agent knows comes out and says it it's really snide behaviour but there we are that's football um, as to Abada himself huge fan his numbers are ridiculous. You know, he's just relentless in terms of his performances, whether starting or coming off the bench. I think he clocks the most numbers off the bench for Ange in terms of appearances, and he, he performs so well for us. I think he goes in the summer. You may be right. We'll get to that specific question just shortly. So I'll give you some of the, the kind of fact-filing stats around Leal Abada. So he's 21 years of age, 22 in October. He signed for Celtic for £3.6 million in July 2021 from Maccabi Petatikva. Uh, he was Ange's first big signing and obviously uh, as a lot of the signings at that time he came in on a five-year deal. Uh, you will may well remember that he scored the very first competitive goal of the Ange Postacoglu era. That was against Mitchelland in Champions League qualifying. Overall, in terms of Celtic appearances, you're absolutely right James, these numbers are incredible. So 92 appearances for Celtic, 27 goals and 18 assists for a at the time 20 and now 21 year old winger phenomenal numbers uh, this season him Abada and Matt O'Reilly are the only two players to have featured in all 27 of Celtic's league games either as a start or off the bench he's currently on 12 goals and 7 assists for this season and is well placed to beat last season's tally which was 15 goals and 11 assists uh, last season however there is a you know a change in how he's been used last season he start, started 34 of Celtic's league games and this time around so far he's only started 9 Quite a notable difference there and James there's no doubt that Ange is choosing to use him definitely this time around and maybe he played more than anticipated last season you know coming in as such a young player. Can you understand any frustrations that he himself may be having you know based on those appearances? Maybe. Um, I, th I think he's just a victim of how Ange defends which is from Maeda back. 
you know, we were talking about it there in, in light of the, the Samaritan game and in light of the cup final last week. Rangers didn't get up that wing at all because Maiden kept him pinned in and you can't have that with Abada and Jota on the pitch, see? Jota on the left and Abada on the right. So he's, he's a victim of that. Of course, every footballer wants to play and he's an ambitious guy and he wants to get, you know, appearances for his country, goals for his club. He wants to earn money in the game, I'm sure, but he also wants to you know, be, be playing and winning things. I think all of that combined... We'll, we'll, we'll see him leaving, but you know, just a, it's it's a real loss for us if he does go. You know, I want to be really clear on that. There's real work for Celtic to do if they are going to countenance and, and a bad leaving. There's real work to do to get someone to come in. I'd love to know his his minutes per goal stats. I'm going to be about work on that this week because you can talk about appearances there, but his time on the pitch versus his return ridiculous. Yeah, you can do that one now, take ages. So <laughs> I'll, I'll leave that with you. Paddy, still just 21 years of age. There's there's serious potential with Abada. We've already seen some great stuff and you know you would anticipate there's more big things to come from him. As I mentioned, he signed his initial five-year deal in July 2021. So he's still got three and a half years left to run. So should be a fairly comfortable situation for all parties. There's maybe no great emergency at this moment in time, but... If Celtic are looking to kick on and become, you know, a force again in Europe and start to pick up, you know, some big results and some some European runs, do you want a badder to be part of that or would you cash in on him? No, I, I think I do. I think other teams will be looking at him. Don't get me wrong, there's points where he frustrates, um, points where he makes the, the wrong decision, but we forget that this season he hasn't been a, a regular starter, so the, the, the match practice isn't the, is up to, up to speed as the rest of the team and, you know, maybe just not as in sync. But I just thought... He really did change the game when he came on on Sunday and just, again, albeit St Mirren are down a player, but still very, very tight conditions, trying to break into a box. And I just thought his goal the other day was a great finish and he's capable of that. He's really capable of just those off-the-cuff moments producing a great finish out of nowhere. Um, I just think he's one of those players, he could do this for us in Europe. I think if he gets more of a chance, he, he could definitely do this for us in Europe. My biggest worry for this summer, guys, I think is 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 possibly losing Jota. Um, and I think that's why someone like Abada, we should be making sure that he's, 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 he's happy here as well. I really do. It's an interesting point. Um, I mean, his goal on Sunday, James, that Paddy's mentioned there, it, it was a real Abada goal, wasn't mm. it? He, he, you're right, Paddy. He does frustrate at times. There's no doubt about that, but Again, show me a, a 21-year-old winger that doesn't. His job, and I'm sure that Andrew enforces this when he's speaking to him privately or, or whether Harry Kewell's doing some work with him, which I believe he has been yeah. doing with him and the various forwards, keep doing it. You know, you lose, you might lose the ball. If you go and try and take on a full-back, you know, and get to the byline and get it over into the box 10 times, you might fail seven times, but keep coming back, number eight, number nine, or number 10, because it only needs to work once for it to create a goal or, or for you yourself to break into the box and get a goal. And that's kind of how Abada plays. I think he and guys like Maeda have got such a strong mentality. See if you, as a very separate point here, but if you look at Abada, he ran the ball out of the park two, if not three times in the first half against Rangers in the cup final. And if you look at Abada, if you looked at anyone else in Scottish football, they'd be going, oh, jeez, oh, and they'd be scratching Maeda. their head. And, sure. Maeda, Maeda, sorry. Aye. And you'd be kind of hiding inside your jersey or whatever. Uh, Maeda just jogs back like nothing <laughs> at all. There's no head and hands. <laughs> nothing to see here, lads. We'll just crack on. But he's got such a a focused mindset that he, the moment he makes a mistake or the ball's out of play, you know whether it's his fault or not, he just goes, "That moment's gone now. All I can impact is the next moment." And I think that's a you know very much an Anjapostakoglu teaching. And I think Abada falls into that category. Yes, he makes mistakes. You know we've seen some kind of 
even just when he came on against St Mern, he sliced one out the park. You know, a couple of recent games, he's he's crossed right into the goalie's arms. You know, during dangerous positions. But then about 10 minutes later, he goes and scores a really, really good goal. And that kind of sums up where Abada is just now. And if he can get more consistency in his game, where more often than not the cross is finding the target or, you know, he's getting his shot away, he could be a frightening prospect, James, moving forward. There's no doubt he's going to the top. You know, he's he's got the lot. In terms of his, his mindset, calmness under pressure, Dundee United, January last year, yeah. you know, what is, is one each at that point. I think, I think Hugo had just made it 2-1 oh, sorry, yeah. And then he came through and done what he's about, you're about to tell us Made it what? Hugo made it 2-1 at the death No oh, no, that's no, the no, other, no, That's the, the other last minute winner the, the, the nothing each game oh, in, the, in, the, in the middle of the goals The, the other time he scored a last minute winner against uh, Indiana He's in the middle of the goals Yes And the ball comes over And every single Celtic fan Staff member you know, Maybe even the linesman Was just saying Leather it Aye. And he just calmly waited for his moment Stuck it away and just went bananas the whole place went. And that put us in place to go and beat Rangers C now and go top of the league So yeah. everything was resting on that It was so important As you see everyone's screaming for him to hit it But he, instead of hitting it or throwing the body at it or seeing what happened He takes the touch Yeah, uh, It was incredible It was incredible composure for a young guy What's interesting as well You might have heard that a few times You know they sometimes get a couple of players And they do a kind of uh, kind of questions on your teammates type thing And they all write their answer on the chalkboard So it's like I don't know who's got the worst dress sense Who's this, who's that and several of them have answered at different times who's got the best first touch or the best touch and they say a badder now that's a team with guys like you know Jota and Hatati and Callum McGregor and all that stuff to be mentioned as, as being the top man and these guys are you know they're best place to give the answer they train with them every single day Paddy he's clearly got the respect of his teammates as well he does um, I think you know again that Andrew's asked about uh, a badder at the weekend and his comments were listen if he was Silken, he wouldn't be here, mate. Effectively, what the question was, what would happen if any player threw their toys at the pram and he said, What do you think would happen? Aye, <laughs> <laughs> steely cold, amazing. Yeah, you know? Um, come back to just talking about him like taking all these risks and taking chances on and, and making mistakes in the same way Maeda does as well. I'd love to see our stats at the end of the season about our success rates with passing, crossing, completed uh, moves and, and the final third. Everything like that because it takes me back to those players that want to play it safe and, and you know, I, I, I hate ha having to bring it up, but someone like David Tumble is very comfortable but very safe on the ball. We'll use his uh, two centre-halves quite a bit and I know that that's part of our play. We, in, we involve a lot of recycling. It's but your last resort. It's your last resort, aye. But the, the pl players like Katati, players like Maeda, players like Abada, they're obviously being told, listen, you've got a free hit, go and do what you want. Yeah. Go, and, go and take those those risks on. Same with Jota as well. Make those mistakes because it's going to come off at one point and when it does, it's a goal. You exactly. know, and, and I think that that's the, the joy of this team as well is that it looks as if they have got that freedom of creativity. Just go and, and try what you want. You know that left to the right of you there's going to be someone there to receive a pass if that's the, the best option for the next phase of play but if you feel that you can take this player on and go and beat him go do that because it looks great exactly. that's the entertainment value I think Celtic players once they get in the final third have got absolute free reign Aye. to do what they want and just not going to try and coach Jota how to try and take a guy on or, or you know find a space or, or Kyogo how to finish or try he's, something inventive he's signed for that reason he's already yeah. got that exactly so once you get in the final third go and be the footballer that you are don't be constricted by systems and shapes and formations and, and anything at all 
just go and be the flair player that you are and, and we're seeing the rewards of that right now. Quick question for you before I get your last comments on this one. Um, no need to elaborate in great detail. I think I've got your answer already, Paddy, but will Abada be the next Juranovic slash Jakimakis this summer? Uh, I don't I don't think so. I actually think he might kick about. I, I think, think he likes days. it here. Um, he's talking about, obviously, doing a bit of work with Harry Keel. He came out and spoke about that. He says, that's all I've been doing is watching videos of yeah. Harry Keel. And maybe, I don't know if that's Harry Keel saying, watch this. Watch this. I don't. John Collins yeah. style. <laughs> yeah. I, I've still got these abs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he's saying that to him, but um, if Harry Keel can keep him locked up in my room somewhere, then yeah. I, it's, it's good news for us. Yeah, so you think he might be around a bit longer, Paddy? I do. Yeah? I do. James? I think it actually speaks to a wider question on the, the evolution of the transfer policy at Celtic. So we're you know, rightly getting the plaudits for identifying talent, bringing them in on next to nothing. You know, Michael Beale complaining about money and stuff like, well, stop throwing your money into the fire. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the, the signings we've made for very little outlay and it turns out very little uh, expense operationally as well in terms of the wages. It's, it's outstanding work. The real challenge comes when you've not spent much, you're not spending much, but you've given them a real profile and you're seeing the, the talent. Other people obviously see the talent that they are. The trick then is how do you retain that talent? Because they're going to get offers from elsewhere and we might go, right, we'll take you from 10 grand a week to 20 grand a week. No, 100% uh, increasing your wages. You've got to be pretty happy with that. But Charlton or Burnley or whatever can offer you 50 grand a week. So that that's a real challenge for us. If you look at what happened at the tail end of a new after Seville, he was rewarding guys with 40 grand a week and all that stuff. And it just, you know, not say collapsed a club, but it puts in financial jeopardy. We're never going back there again. So the, the real challenge for Mark Lowell, Ange and the rest of the team is how do you make the call? Do you do you recycle straight away and let that guy go and bring budget in and go and sign the next Abada? Or do you try and find a midpoint of a 25 grand a week? It's a really complicated challenge. I think in Abada's case, it's going to fall on the, we can probably get, and I mean this, we probably get about 25 million for you in the summer, and we bring that in, and we sign X, whatever we need, which we've already identified, that can take us forward in the Champions League. I think Abad is a linchpin for the, the transfer uh, policy in the summer. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really important part of the the transfer cycle for Celtic, you know, what the what the end product is for the player and for the club at that moment in time. Um, I suppose just in you know, conclusion of this one, James, what do you think, if anything, Celtic should be doing on the Abada situation just now, as I say, three and a half years left to run. And to answer Graham's question specifically, should we be pulling out all the stops to you know keep such an exciting talent at the club uh, as part of the ongoing work that Andrew's doing, or or maybe not so much needed right now? But what are the stops? Is the stops fifty grand a week? Because that's what, like I say, Burnley and Charlton and all that nonsense. I need to get from. Graham on the phone. He didn't quite elaborate on the it's, stops. Uh, I'll give him a shout later on. Yeah. But you know that 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 all the stops is to spend whatever he requires to stay. Mm-hmm. And no, no is the answer to that because then you buck the model and it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. There's real consistency and discipline in what Celtic are doing. It's hard, of course, because you're having to reinvent yourself every two, three years, maybe even every year, year and a half. But I think that's the way it's going to be for Celtic. We saw that with Iranovic and Jackamakis. Different examples because of their age profile. But you're not getting big money in for them, but you're getting big money in for Abada and you can then recycle that back into the club. Yeah, for the the youth and the potential it offers. Paddy, that's the question. I suppose pulling out the stops might be making them amongst the club's top earners. Should we do that if it comes to it? Um, I don't know if if he's at that level. Actually, I don't even know... you mentioned 25 million there and I don't know if he's worth that don't know look his numbers I know listen in, incredible numbers I just he's think, done it in Europe as well not just domestic I, I agree with you on that I, th- I think he needs to have that full sort of, like solid season and then another one 
like uh, uh, basically playing consistently. He's not been playing consistently enough. Imagine, I, imagine you're a club that can bring a guy like that off the bench to save you. Not as incredible. I think just now he could be worth up to 20 odd million, but he needs to go and have that Moussa Dembele, Kieran Tierney season in the Champions League where the other clubs across Europe say, this guy can do it at this level. Yeah. So at the moment, he doesn't have that. He's made an impact in Europe, you know, from day one against Michelin, obviously lesser lights, you know, in terms of the bigger picture. He's certainly got the potential, but I agree with your point, Paddy. I think he needs to go and have that season next year. And from that point of view, he maybe shouldn't be in a hurry. Who else is going to sign him and play him in the Champions League next season? Well, this is my point. I don't think it should, anyone should be in a hurry here. Um, I'd love him to stay. I really would. Um, his national manager can say all he wants. At the end of the day, he'll still be picking him for the national team. Yeah, yeah. 100% and right to do so. So another great question there. Good debate. And thanks again to Graham in Dublin for sending that one in. If you want to submit your question to us for discussion on any future shows, then you can do so in one of three ways. Number one, you can leave a voicemail directly on our website via the microphone icon on the bottom right of any page of the site. Number two, you can send us a message on social media on our Twitter, Instagram or Facebook pages. And finally, number three, you can email me directly on tino at thecelticexchange.com. Time for this week in Celtic Media. Each week here on the weekly show, we pick out something of interest that we've either watched, read or listened to that week in the world of Celtic Media that we then recommend to you, our listeners. This week, James has been taking a trip down memory lane. James, nostalgia is not what it used to be. What have you got for us? Yeah, an interesting one. I'll give you, I'll give you the title first and then uh, I'll elaborate on that. Scottish football's aristocrats, 1980. And you think, wouldn't believe Scottish media come out with that. They didn't. It was RTE. Yeah, and Ireland. So, so it's a really nice visual piece more than anything else on Celtic Park as it was, and the jungle and, and the fans and all these kind of things. Um, it <laughs> tells us that Celtic were founded in uh, 1887 in St Mary's in the Gorbals. Bit of, a, mm. bit of a sloppy start. Uh, so close, uh, yeah. so far. <laughs> so, um, but it does go on to fill in a, a good few bits. It is, like I say, more a visual piece. It's more about the, the videography of it all. But then you get interviews with Johnny Doyle, Bobby Lennox, Billy McNeil, the wee bit about Tommy Burns and, and seeing Celtic train and stuff. So just a nice wee trip down memory lane. I'd recommend it. Yeah, it's, it's possibly quite uh, relevant to an extent. It maybe ties in with some of the chat just now about the Celtic end, you know, inverted commas, the Celtic end, the proposal that we maybe turn more areas uh, of the stadium into all standing. And it does feature some really good footage. I've not watched it in full just yet. I think it's 11 minutes long. Um, but it features some really good footage and highlights of the old jungle and the type of atmosphere that generated at the time. Interestingly, the you know as we put out a, a debate piece last week, the week before about you know the, the expanding the, the Greens Grade and Boys uh, footprint, a lot of responses were you know I think we should you know put it to to the North Stand um, to because it's traditionally the jungle, right. which I'm dead against because that's where my seat is, so <laughs> that's, that's just not happening. <laughs> but I can see the clamour for that to get back to what was the jungle yeah, yeah, yeah. coming out, you know, opposition coming out the the, the tunnel uh, the, for kickoff in a European night, and you go, oh wait a minute. You know, yeah. so I, I can see the um, the attraction for that, but yeah, um, that's that's the piece. Yeah, and as long as you're okay, James, that's the main thing. Forget, <laughs> for, for, forget the wider fan base as a whole. As long as you as, are, as long I'm as I'm here, I'll be here. That's correct, yeah. uh, Paddy. For such a young man, we've obviously spoke about um, you being a one of these new breed of Celtic fans that just come <laughs> along with success. Did you? Wh did, where are you at? What's your timeline? Did, did, did you get my answer for the Miss of the Celt? <laughs> I think yeah. you did. I didn't That's like right. it. Did you get that? <laughs> no, fair enough. Credit, credit where it's due. But what's your own timelines in terms of the jungle? Did you Did you just miss out on that? Or did no, you no, I sat in the jungle. 
Stood in the jungle. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Bucket, sat bucket, in the jungle. Bucket seat guy. Ah, I was a wee boy. <laughs> Give me a chance. Yeah. I was in Hamden for that season as well. I remember all of that. Um, I, I, you don't need to justify your Celticness to us. I'm telling you now, right? <laughs> don't be fooled by these useful good looks. Ah, yeah. That's it. That's um, it. So skincare routine. Early memories, Paddy, of, of that area of the stand, or the stadium, sorry? They're very, very limited, I would be honest. I think I was um, three or four. Uh, oh, when, when the jungle was was still in in, in action, but should have said my dad had me in it uh, with the brothers and sisters. So it was uh, aye fond fond little memories of it. Uh, just from I I, I get glimpses. I can't remember it in full. I can always just remember the main stand looking at that. Um, but yeah, it's more the the season uh, the hellish season in Hamden that sticks in my memory. I can remember being in that quite a bit. Um, aye. That's we don't need to go there. No, we don't. We don't. We don't. Um, James, my own memory from when we were younger, were mostly of the Celtic end. I think that's where yeah. we tended to go over the years with you know dad and various others. But what's your own jungle memories? I, I remember as I got a wee bit older, spending a bit of time there with you know Paddy Kelly and various others. But what about yourself? Did you experience that much? Like you say, you know, as kids growing up, we were mostly the Celtic end. Uh, as you got a wee bit older in your teens, we were allowed to kind of drift off. You know, cut the pals from school and just juke into the, the jungle there. Um, yeah, probably spent a fair bit of time in, in the jungle, and it was, yeah, the, the tightness and the, the the noise of it all. It was it was caged at the time. I think when I was there, you know, there was a, a kind of a grill in front of you because it was his early nineties kind of to time. Keep animals like you in. I mean, they, they were bang on the money, you know. To be <laughs> fair, I've did anyone push danger. down the back of your leg in the jungle? No, but I think it was there was high potential for it to happen. <laughs> you know, there wasn't much movement yeah. around. Um, it was a lawless place. Yeah, even even in that piece, you see you see just how badly designed there was there was two exits to the, the jungle and they were both at the far ends it was a real mess of things you know but the, the board just wasn't on the ball for making any, ch any changes but apart from the bucket seat season which was just ridiculous you know so yeah, yeah a, a great place and a, a great reputation yeah so it's an interesting piece as James says quite a bit of music and visual in it as well as those interviews Johnny Doyle Billy McNeil Bobby Lennox etc so it's on the RTE player it's called Scottish Football's Aristocrats 1980 and around about 11 minutes long. Thanks to Lone Star CSE, he first posted it, or that's where I first seen it, he posted it on Twitter a few days ago. And as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode. James, the unbeaten run now stands at 25 games and momentum is well and truly with Celtic at this moment in time. What's your final comments ahead of another big week for the club? It's a big, big week actually. A double-header against Hearts, you know, it's, it's kind of what, you're, what you want in your season right. to get a bit of that. Um Particularly tomorrow night, you know, that's a real chance to just start to, you know, nail down the, the path to, to the league. Um, and then the Saturday, path to the treble, got to take care of that one. It is singly the most poisonous place to be a Celtic fan, and I include Ibrox in that, Tynecastle. A horrendous place of racism and sectarianism. So we've got a lot of, uh, lot of that noise to overcome, but Ange and his players, they know what they're doing there and they'll get the job done. Yeah, yes, two games to look forward to. Paddy, are you confident for them? As James says, big, big games and, you know, really important in the context of the season. Um, are you confident? And what's your final comments as we close out today's episode? Yeah, confident on on both fronts. I think uh, just the the level that we're playing at at the moment, we, sh we should be too much for hearts. Um, they'll get a good reading of us, I'd imagine, tomorrow night. Um, I think that it takes us to possibly try and get the job done as quick as and get players needed for Saturday rested as soon as. Um, I actually think he was kind of starting to try and do that on, on Sunday as well. He was looking at 
who he needs for during the week. So I I just think that this team is ready for whatever's thrown at it at the moment. Um, and I just think we, we should be too much for anyone. Um, the point that you're making about Tynecastle, it is a very difficult place to go. We've, we've, uh, we've seen that this season um, and we've had everything thrown at us there this season as well in terms of VAR, in terms of, you know, um, Hearts deciding to show up um, and, and try and play football. And no, no experimental midfield lineups no, on this one? No, no, no chance. Yeah. Um, so I just think that it's uh, just go there, professional job, get it done and and get ourselves into the, the, the next round um, and we just keep going from there, um, yeah. 100%. Two big games, but two games you know, to really look forward to. So that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. Thanks to James and Paddy for joining me today and as always, our thanks to you for listening. Remember to send your mystery Celt answer to us on Twitter for your chance to win a free month of the Celtic Exchange Plus. And beyond that, don't forget to visit theceltichange.com slash sign up where you can start your free seven-day trial and enjoy everything we'll be featuring there this week. But in the meantime, from myself and the team, thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week. Network.